God works all things for the good of those who love and believe in Him. And we are called according to His purpose. And sometimes it doesn't work it in the way that we want Him to work it. He works it in the way that He needs to work it in your life. For He knows the purposes and for He knows the plans that He has for you. For Him to prosper you. For Him to give you a hope. For Him to give you a future. He's going to guide you with this fire. He's going to show you the way. 
and even though you think you, you're done, and even though you think you're tired, you have no idea what you still have left because he's the one sustaining you, not yourself. And I feel like this fire is so big, and it's like a bonfire like on a beach, you know, it attracts attention. And all you need to do is follow that fire that is in, in you. And that's a godly fire, so it will never be put out. Doesn't matter your circumstances, doesn't matter what people are speaking over your life, that fire is going to sustain you. And I just felt with this um, this time of worship and right now, restoration is happening. Healing is happening, and you don't want to miss that. And it's not just sickness, physical sickness, but there's chains that I could hear breaking. And I feel like God wants to just completely impart that into your life. And if you um, specifically want prayer, because I feel like I need to pray for those people, because it's more than one, please come to me. I would love to pray for you. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Dear guys, join us this morning, and uh, yeah, we're excited about what God is doing. We had a we had a, a mail this morning, a nightmare. <laughs> In our, uh, everything this morning went wrong. Our sound is our sound is manifested this morning. Um, let's see, our live streaming just stopped working. Our camera fell. Everything that could go wrong went wrong this morning. And so, you know, obviously, we want God. God wants us to preach it all over again. Um, so, that's going to be the same message. But bear with us. You know, you know what it is. I, I want to share with you um, really what what God has been doing in in my life. Um, not in my life, what God has been saying to me for the last while. And the last week has been incredibly, incredibly emotional week um, for us. We've had a lot of ups and downs, not just as a, as a family. Um, I'm speaking now as a church body. You know, we've been through a lot. We've, we've really been challenged and really been stretched um, beyond where we normally are. And we've really had to trust God more than we've ever had to trust God and really had to dig deep this week, say, Father, what it is it that, that you desire of us? And I almost found myself this week, and I can be honest with you guys, but um, I almost found myself this week just becoming almost despondent um, just with, with, with life in general, just not church life, but just everything around me, you know? It's like we, we ask that question like, God, why? You know, come on, God, what is happening in this week? What is, you know, what is going on in our lives? And often we don't understand what God is saying to us and what the season is that we find ourselves in. But um, I found myself this week just being in a really difficult place. I think I, I started to just really look at what was happening in the church around the world, you know, and I'm just looking at, at all, the, all the online stuff and, and, you know, what people are preaching and, and what people are saying out there. And, and, and almost, in a sense, really broke my heart what I saw out there. Because I had to ask myself, how close is it to God's purpose and plan for our lives? How close of what we're doing right now is the true gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? I, and, and this whole process of might stopped it, that I clicked this week onto a Christian pastor that was selling holy ice this week. And she didn't want some dollars, but she took any other payment, and she would take water and then freeze it and then pray over it and then sell it to believers as holy ice blocks. 
Now that is putting not a whiskey or not, but holy ice blocks. And then the next clip was, and, and you guys might have saw this, this pastor that totally died in his church. You know? And then the Holy Spirit said to someone they need to throw money on him. And when there was enough money on him, he came back to life again. And, and I looked at this and I thought, okay. And then I, I went on to, you know, to, to just check out some stuff. And Now you understand something, I'm old school. You know, I've, I've been saved for 20 or 25 years. I've been in ministry for 20 years. And, and I love God with all my heart. And believe me, I go straight times and, you know, just get involved in stuff that I shouldn't be involved in. At, at times, just stupid mistakes and that kind of stuff. But I think we're all generally those kind of things. But I started, and I remembered, let me just go back. I remembered when I just got saved that we didn't have Christian TV. You know, we had was a radio. And to throw myself every night at 10 o'clock to listen to this man called John Hagen. And uh, I think he's still around. But I mean, yeah, Jack, John Hagen preached hellfire and brimstone. I mean, it doesn't matter what he preached on, it was a salvation message. Um, and he was just fired up. And I remember every night just like listening to the passion of this guy and the enthusiasm and the love for the word of God and the love for his church and the love for, for what he was doing to these people. And, and I would never miss that 10 o'clock slot. I would listen every time because it inspired me. And I've just been a new pastor. I've just come into church life. And man, I thought, this is, this, is, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. And so I got this picture because, you see, in, in my life, there's, there's one, there's one, series that really changed my life and I think I've spoken about this before but there was a series when I was young called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman okay you guys will give away your age right now okay so there was this program on TV called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman now let me explain to you quickly that I don't remember much of what the program was about all I know was a female doctor that really helped people what I remembered more than anything was the pastor of the town and he, for me, was the main guy. And you know why I was the main guy? Because on Sunday, he would be teaching and preaching in the church. And on Monday, they would have another episode and he would be teaching at school. And he'd be teaching the kids what they needed to know about maths. And Wednesday afternoon, he was helping Dr. Quinn cut off someone's leg in the surgery. You know? And then two days later, we'd be helping the cattle ranchers herd up their cattle that escaped. And it always stuck to me because I always thought, now that's the kind of pastor I want to be. That's the guy I want to be. That if you need me in the hospital, I want to be there. You know, if you need me to teach school, I want to be there. You know, if you need to teach on a Sunday, I want to be there. If you want to be a Sunday school teacher, I want to be there. Why? Because the pastor and the church were the, were the very ethos, the very thing that held society together and it's always been like that that the church has been the thing that has held people together and I remember watching it and saying God you know one day I want to be a pastor like that you know I want to, I want to be in the streets I want to feed people I want to do what I have to do and at times we get sidetracked but this week just looking through what's happening in the world and as a, as a young man you've got to understand something I remember looking through my kiddies Bible and Jesus sitting there with the sheep, remember? Hey, and then Jesus would be feeding the lost. And then he'd be sitting there, a picture of him and, and Mary Magdalene sitting there. And then a picture of him like standing by the tomb and Lazarus coming out. And I remember all these pictures. And, and all of a sudden I, I went on your Facebook this week and, and I thought, Lord, 
what the hell are we doing? What are we doing? What is happening out there in the world right now? It's all about cameras. It's all about how good your online sermon is. We haven't got pictures of pastors feeding the needy anymore. Now we've got pictures of pastors having their hair done and having makeup put on and eyeliner to look good for a people that don't even know them. Now all of a sudden the church has gone to a place where we wear our money suits, which cost probably more than 90% of our congregation earning a month. We've got gold watches and big cars and bigger churches. We've got prophets that, that aren't even members of a church, but they're constantly prophesying what the church needs to do. Don't tell me how to box if you've never been in a ring. And I'm thinking to myself, no wonder we become the laughing stock of the world at the moment. You go speak to your friends. You go speak to your unsafe friends. And let me tell you something, the church has become the laughing stock of the world at the moment. Because when crisis hit, we ran and hid in our homes. Mighty warriors, where were the Smith Wigglesworths? We were the men of honor that would walk into a pandemic and raise people from the dead. But we raised a culture of pastors now that sit at home because they're just scared of a virus. We've raised a culture of believers that are more interested in what they look like than what they preach. We've got churches filled with people that are spending hundreds and thousands of rents for video cameras and sound equipment but they haven't fed one person in the street. And we want to know why the world looks at us the way they do. Because we've become a joke to the world. Because you know something? We don't even preach what we believe. You see, we come to a place in church life where a God in need is a God in need. I laughed yesterday, and, and don't get me wrong, but why at 2 o'clock in our Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, who does this? He calls a prayer meeting for his son in a parking lot in St. George's. 38 more people rock up to pray. You advertise a prayer meeting for a month in the church and four people rock up. And I'm not criticizing, what I'm saying is, you know what, when people are passionate about something, they rock up. Why do you think 30 odd people rocked up? Because Nicholas is close to their heart. They want to see him whole. They want to see him whole. But we can't attend the prayer meeting. Why? Because we've lost our passion. We've lost our first love. We've lost the thing that drives us and makes us whole. We've all become about this and forgotten what the kingdom looks like. We've forgotten that on a mighty suit doesn't make you a messiah. A crown of thorns makes you a messiah. It's not a pulpit that makes you a good preacher. It was a man hanging on a cross that made you a good preacher. What are we doing? It's madness what is going on in the church. And you might think, oh, I'm being harsh. I'm not being harsh. Listen to me. When Jesus left this earth, he had so much faith in you and I that we would continue the mandate that He had set out for us. He had set it all up. And all He said was, don't call the world to make disciples all men. 
baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what he said to us. When last have we told someone about Jesus? When last have we baptized somebody? We spend 90% of our time trying to justify our faith instead of shining and let people be drawn to our light. You see, they don't know what the church really stands for. Because one day, we're sitting in church and singing and raise hallelujah, and the next day, is something different. Somehow we've come to this place in church life where we think that God is this airy-fairy old man with a grey beard, sitting on a cloud, smoking the occupied saying, cool dude, my grace is sufficient for you. Now I want to tell you something. That any man and any father that is out there, that if your kids misbehave, you discipline them. But in church we hate discipline. We hate accountability. We can do and say what we want to out there and it's okay. And I want to say to you, if my son had to stand in front of me and beat his wife as a man of honor, as a believer, as a father, I would say, would you stop that all this trouble? But you see, we can do that to our spouses and expect God not to say anything, but to answer our prayers tomorrow. That when my son gets drunk and he throws away the family name, I call him one son, I said, this is not how sons behave. But when we step out of line with God and He says, This is not how a believer behaves, we throw His toys out the cot. When we start to preach the Word of God, not motivational messages, you know what happens? Churches empty out. Churches empty out. They want to feel good. They want that little thing of, oh, well, you know, you know, God loves me and that's great. Yes, God loves you, that's great. I've got no doubt for that. But we have been sent and we've been put on this earth, in this season, in this time, in history, for a reason and for a purpose and for a plan. And if you just can emerge through life, then you may as well give up this Christian thing. And if reading the word of God is too much for you, then you may as well give up this Christian thing. Because you know something, I've been praying this week and I, and I found myself in such a horrible place. And I found myself being so judgmental on people. And it was this holy discontent in me. This thing of going, come on Kurt, you've got to do better than this. You know, I stood there and I'm like constantly, oh look at that guy, oh look at that guy, oh look at that woman. You know, look what they're doing. And I remember me going through this moment. You know, we call it a, the island of self-pity, you know. And in that moment, I got a little message from a, a friend of ours in the church, Mandy. She says, I had a dream about you. You were crying about your knees. She says, I don't know what it means. I knew exactly what it meant. Because in that listen, God said to me, remember something, don't you ever cry about being on your knees. Because that's exactly the place I want you, because that's where I keep you humble. 
You see, my church is not like the church down the road, and I'm not like a pastor down the road, so I cannot set any judgment of anybody. And everybody does something different, and everyone does it a different way. But we've got to come to a place where the Word of God is still the Word of God. That when we serve, and we're serving wholeheartedly. You see, my daughter hasn't got a choice whether she's my daughter today and not my daughter tomorrow. Come hello, I want her, she's my daughter. And come hello, I want her, you've been bought at a price. There was a man that died for you. Even before the foundations of the earth were laid. But we will live in this mediocrity. We want this God in need is a God indeed. We don't, we don't want to be condemned, we don't want to be criticized. We don't want to be corrected. We don't want to be held accountable. Why? Because we want to live life like we don't know that. And when the poor boy eats the fat, oh Lord Jesus, you know I love you. And it's not just Lord Jesus, I love you. It's like, I need you to answer prayer right now. I need to change my wife right now. I need to change my business right now. We forget that Abraham waited almost 25 years to conceive a child. We forget that Joseph was in prison for over 20 years or in slavery before God answered his prayer. But we live in a society where we believe that we can actually demand that the creator of the universe reacts to our request immediately. And if he doesn't, he's a failure. I've heard people say, I've been praying for my, my cousin for a week. Where is your God? It's sad. Went to my doctor's this week to check my eyes. Because obviously, as I get younger, my eyes will get better. <laughs> and, um, you know, you always have that moment where you go, hi, and the first thing they normally say to you is for conversation. People either speak about the weather, or they say to you, so what do you do for a living? So you always got that, there's a part of that awkward moment, you know. Like, I should just tell them I'm a really good, I've got a really good boss, that's it, you know. So I said, well, I'm a boss, you oh, that's nice. And there was silence. <laughs> and she's a believer. The next question that came out of her mouth was this. Do you believe we in the end times? The crazy thing is the whole world is asking that right now, whether they believe us or not. My response is very simple. Do you think that the church has done enough to warrant the return of Christ? Do you think we've done enough? You see, the word of God says he's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. Right now, the church is falling apart. Right now, the church has lost focus on him. It's all about this. It's all about views. It's all about likes. It's all about Instagram. Yeah. I thank God about people that keep me humble in this church. <laughs> 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 I 
probably lose my opportunity in my church. <laughs> but Jesus finds himself in this place. And I want to share this because I believe prophetically this is almost where we are in the church right now. And Jesus spent three years with disciples. Two days before he's crucified. He's told them everything they need to know. In actual fact, in Matthew 26, and I'm going to read from there. But Matthew 26, verse 1 starts with like this, and it says, And now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, all these sayings, he said to his disciples, It comes to a place where Jesus was, okay, I've taught you everything you need to know. I've given you everything you need. They have seen thousands being fed by Jesus. They'd seen Lazarus come up the tomb. They'd seen him enter a leper colony. They'd seen Jesus walk to Samaria and meet a woman at a well, a well and force it to revolve that the entire town was saved. These are ways that saw God and Jesus do the impossible stuff. And it comes to the hour where his life has to change. It comes to that hour where he has to give up everything and die for mankind. And after three years, after three years, all he needed was the support of the 11 friends around him. And he sends in 12 of them and he says in supper. And he says, guys, what well, this is going to happen. And he says, and in verse 2 says, you know that after two days in the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So he tells them, Remember, I've been telling you for two years, three years, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. He tells them the whole story. Now, 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 I'm telling you the story because you need to get the picture. You need to get the picture because they knew everything. They knew that he was going to die. They knew how he was going to suffer. They knew what he was going to go through for them and for the entire world. Verse 31. I'm going to go there quickly. Because all of this happening. So then Jesus said to all of them, you will, you, will, you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written that when I strike the shepherd, the sheep of the flock will scatter. He says to them, there's coming a time that when the shepherd gets struck, the sheep will start to scatter. And so prophetically, as I read the scripture, I thought, man, this church is in the same place as what it was back then. Once again, the shepherd has been struck. Once again, the church has been closed. Once again, restrictions have been put on us. And instead of the church praying more, and meeting more, and prayer walking more, and doing more, and feeding the lost, and taking care of the sick and the lame, taking care of the needy, just like the church has all gone in different directions. All of a sudden our faith isn't there like we used to. Because our faith was dependent on our services. Our faith and our worship was dependent on what we did with the piano. What got me through the week was the message that whoever was preaching was preaching. And all of a sudden that gets taken away and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where we have to read our own Bible. And we're going to do our own worship because Brian was not a portable that we can take home. And all of a sudden we're going to have our own fellowship. Because there's not there anymore. And one by one, churches, members, falling by the wayside. 
doing the crazy stuff, preaching the craziest messages, drawing all attention to themselves. You know the word of God says a crazy thing, he says that pride comes before the fall. We've got to be very careful. We don't lose the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to be very careful that we don't take what we have for granted. Because in an instant, life can be taken away from us. Like this. Whether you like it or not, you're going to get an account of your life. You might have given your sins, but you can get an account of your life. For what you've done. So Jesus is telling these guys all this. But he says, but after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter, the main man, Jesus is too I see. The friend of Jesus, the man that Jesus relied on so much, pops up and he says, Ha! Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will not be made to stumble. And Jesus says, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows three times, you will be denied. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die for you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And I love that. Because I remember growing up in a in, in, in a Pentecostal church, how far in Brumstone kind of okay, you know. They would preach, they would preach, you know what I mean? You you gave your life to Jesus every week. <laughs> I mean that can't just finish, you don't baptize you straight after the service. You he preached. He preached. And I remember in my young Christian days listening to the stories of Chinese people that all they had was one page of a Bible and they just memorized it because that's all they had. They would spend 13, 14 hours in the cave just worshipping God with one page of the Bible because they were so desperate for Him. That they would stand there and people would say to them, you either deny this word or we shoot you in the head. And most of them were shot in the head. Oh, haven't we said this before? Lord, I will die before I deny you. And yet, we live like it doesn't exist. Because we only really want it when we need it. When we need a miracle, when we need our marriage saved, when we need our job changed, then we want to seek God with all of our hearts. You see, it comes to this place in verse 31 where Jesus says to the guys, the hour is upon us. And I don't know about you, but if, if someone in your family, loved one in your family was about to die, you would take this serious. You know, if, if I had to tell my family, you know what? Doctor says I've got two hours to live. I guarantee you, my family would be around me like they like a bear. Jesus says the guys, the hours come. Can you guys just stay here and watch and pray while I go to see on the Father? And the word says you go read it. He goes to Dad. He says, Dad, 
Krishna, anything is possible, please, 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 can't this cup pass me by? The word says that he prayed so fervently that he was bleeding blood. And he gets back to Peter, and the guys are sleeping. And he says to Peter there in verse 41, he says, he says, sorry, verse 41, he says, then he came to his disciples and found him sleeping, and he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the Spirit of God is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. A second time he came back, and they were sleeping again. A third time he came back, and they were still sleeping. And it worries me when I read this. Because I think so much of the church is still sleeping. When he left, he said, I want you to pray and watch. He said, I want you to pray and watch because I'm soon to return. I'm soon to return. Well, what does the bride look like? What does the bride look like? And I don't want you to look at the church from a believer's point of view. I want you to, for one minute, look at the church as if you were a critic. And tell me what you see. And I want to know, do you believe that as a church are we today a true representation of Jesus Christ or not? Because I don't think we are. I think we're missing it. I think we're missing it. When the church is meant to be the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be driven. We've been called, we've been drafted. I remember that nervousness in the guys that are old enough here. We know what it was like when you got that call up paper in your metric year to the army. Still wanna, I still want to know who, who did this stuff. Because the Durban guys we posted to Cape Town, the Cape Town guys we posted to Durban, <laughs> the Vindu guys we posted to PE. I'm like, what the hell? Why don't we just stand where we are? But I remember that, that, that nervousness. I remember the anxiety. I mean, I was going to write exams, and now they want to send me to Uppington. And it wasn't like, well, you know what, take the months. Okay, you know, the army can really say to us, oh, we can have a gap here. And then, you know, have a gap here and then go serve the military. I mean, goodness gracious me, we got our matric results. You know, we had a park and the next day we were on the train and we were gone. Mommy couldn't groom us. See, there's a course parking. There was this tension that was in us because we knew that we were going to serve something much bigger than ourselves. But we also knew that we were so ill-equipped to do what we were called to do. It was terrifying. We heard of our friends being dying, being sending back from Angola in boxes. And we were 18 years old, we were 17 years old. They gave us a gun. And just shoot at anything and moves. And I think we've missed that. Because you know, whether you like it or not, when Jesus left, you got your call-up papers. 
that you have to perform. He said, go into all the world.
And we allow God to heal us and deliver us and set us free. And put our hope and our faith and our trust in Him. And we become all that God has purposed you and I to be. There will be a change. The world is watching us. The world is watching us. The world is watching everything that we do. Everything that we say, everything that we see, everything that we hear. The world is watching. You know why? Let me tell you something. The world is looking for someone to believe in. The world doesn't need a pandemic to go right now. What the world reads right now is hope. And you're the hope. You're the hope. There was an old song that we used to sing. Some of the most awful ones would remember this. But it used to go like, give me that good old time religion. Devil, do you remember this? I can't even go, Devil. Devil? This is my agent before you start. But there was also it says, give me that good old time religion. It's good enough for me. Hey, don't you think we need to just come back to the basics? Where we just love God, we honor Him, we spend time in His presence. You see, there's one thing that, that I have to change this week, in closing, and it's this. That I have said to pray to God and say, Father, I need you to restore to me the joy of my salvation. Ah, oh, love worshiping. Ah, oh, there was nothing better than having four or five Bibles open on my study. And I would break down that scripture. I tell you something right from the strong concordance right through to the Dykes Bible. I, when I read a scripture, I just needed to get it all in my head and just understand it. Man, when I prayed, I didn't realize what the time was. I would pray in tongues in the bath. I would stand outside while I was crying. I would pray because there was this fire that was burning in me. This fire just burning in me. I just, I just couldn't get enough of Jesus. Couldn't get enough of His presence. Couldn't get enough of spending time with Him. And then all this craziness happens. Who knows what I'm talking about? Life. Pandemics and viruses. And I just found myself just nosing along. Okay? Walking on a treadmill. You're just going nowhere. And this week I said, God, I want that fire back. I want that fire back. I want that fire back. Wayne reminded me of a story that I told a long time ago. And uh, some of you have heard it. Two days before I left the police force, I was in the fraud unit. And uh, I had worked with all my, my case dockets. And I'd got all my court summonses finished. And it was all good. And I remember I had this one docket on my desk that had been laying there for probably three or four weeks that I hadn't touched. And I hadn't touched it because it was the same Gorma 
that had made a case against one of his clients. They gave him a check that had bounced. And I'd investigate. I was busy going to the ministry. And yeah, they had this St. Gorma case in front of me. And I remember for about three weeks I prayed. I said, God, I want to go out with a bang. I want to go out and I want to leave my mark in this place. And I prayed and I fasted, man. Washed it down. I cried at my desk for two weeks. But there was one prayer that I prayed. And I said, Father, is this that the day that you told me I'm ready to walk into that St. Gorma's office, all I want them to see is Jesus in me, the hope of glory. Two days, two days before I left the force, I took that docket, went down to Main Street, Governor Becky now. And I remember walking into that office, there was the door that I walked into, it was a long office. And the St. Gorma was sitting there at the back by a desk. And as I walked into the office, she jumped up. She pinned herself against the wall. And she said, Jesus Christ, what are you doing here? She didn't even see me. She didn't even see me. Because there was so much of him that she didn't see me. It was so bad that I had to put the dog on the table and go wait outside because she wouldn't come near me. And she would sign the dog and then I would have to go back in and she would have to go to the back so that I could walk out. And I'm emotional now because that day God said to me, never forget what I've placed inside of you. And I forgot. I forgot. He says to Peter, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. I don't know. Just, I wonder what people see in you when they come to you. I wonder, are you the hope of the world? Are you really the reflection of Christ? And if you're not right now, don't worry, I don't need you to burn all your clothes, sackcloth and ashes, and go baptize yourself in the sea. But I want you to ask God one thing this morning. Would you return to me the joy of my salvation? Would you return to me the joy of my salvation? Let's stand. Father, I thank you for this time. like a harsh message this morning. But Lord, I'm so excited because I believe there's so much potential in this room. There's so many miracles still right here. 
There's so many testimonies that we still have to share. Would you return to us, Holy Spirit, the joy of our salvation? May that passion for our relationship grow. May the passion for your word, a passion for prayer, a passion for fellowship, start to burn in us like never before. And may we truly become the hope of the world. And may we truly be those that you left behind to prepare a bride for your return. So come and stir in our hearts and in our lives and in our workplaces today. And may the church of Jesus Christ arise. And may we stand tall and may we stand proud and may we be courageous. And may we be bold, but more than anything, may we reflect the image of Christ to the world out there, I ask. In Jesus' name.